This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome back to Rams Talk Podcast. We're here today after... I'd say probably the, not the most exciting draw we've had in our lives um, at home to Portsmouth. But we, we've got some good stuff to look at. We've got some bad stuff to look at. It's just how it is. Uh, we're going to try and stay a little bit positive because I know social media has been a bit depressing over the last few days. Uh, joining me today are three of my favourite people. Uh, first off, Callum Bucock, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, pal. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you. Adam Titley, how are you, pal? I'm all right. Could have been better if we'd won. Not all well. <laughs> I know, it would have been nice. And uh, last but not least, Vic Singh. How are you, Vic? I've seen better days. I've seen better <laughs> days. Now I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, doing good, thank you. Doing good. Uh, and yeah, as I said, we're not going to be miserable. We were all miserable there, uh, which is not a good start. But uh, I've put something to the start, which uh, I wanted to talk about, because I don't want this to be a doom and gloom episode. No one wants that. No one wants to listen and listen to us moan for 40 minutes. Um, they want to listen to some good stuff too. Uh, and a player that really stood out for me, um, and I think has actually been pretty impressive for the majority of the season, was Curtis Nelson. Um, I mean, Callum... I look at Curtis Nelson and I think he's the player that we thought Sonny Bradley would be. He wins every header. He wins every block. I mean, that block he did in the first half, which kept us in the game, was unbelievable. Uh, He he just looks a good player, doesn't he? And it's good to see him finding his form. Yeah, one of the best uh, signers that Paul Warren's brought in uh, over the summer. Um, I think you alluded to it there. Um, he's done everything that we expected of uh, Sonny Bradley. He was one of them signings when the two of them came in. Everyone was like, oh, Nelson, he'll do. Um, he'll, mm. he'll be there for cover. And he's actually um, cemented himself in the starting eleven for me uh, week in, week out next to Cashin. I think he helps Cashin. Um, who, for me, is still not back to his 100% best. Um, I think he's still a bit shaky, especially in possession. Um, And Nelson just does the things that he needs to do, wins headers, wins tackles, uh, puts himself in the right positions. Um, And and I think yesterday was was absolutely brilliant um, in everything he's doing. It it epitomised it with that one block, um, which I think was goal-bound anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, as I say, he's becoming uh, quite a fan favourite at the back, I think. Yeah, Adam, I mean, he had a lot of criticism when the season started, didn't he? Because we were playing him in that weird sort of Chris Wilder-esque 
overlapping centre-back role and it clearly didn't suit him. He's not a player who's going to be feeding intricate balls through to wingers or strikers or anything like that. But when he has to defend, when he's called upon to do the job that he's best at, he does perform well. Yeah, I think I think in that first game, everybody didn't play their best, did they? Um, so there was some unwarranted criticism his way. But then I think I've been impressed with him airily whenever something comes into the box. I was a struggle to say airily, airily. <laughs> that doesn't sound right when I said that. But when he's, when he's defending in the air, I think he wins everything from the corner, um, which is superb to see. And I think yesterday he was really solid, like Callum mentioned, that block. I thought that just epitomised his game yesterday, really. Um, he was a real rock at the back. Um, and may, may it continue much longer, obviously. I thought, I thought yesterday... We were fairly defensively solid, um, especially with Nelson at the back, and that helped quite a lot. I was just about to go to Vic, but he's just vanished, um, which is <laughs> pretty excellent timing, uh, to be honest. Um, but Callum, I mean, something Adam mentioned there, um, to sort of sum up all the good bits we can talk about before 35 minutes of depression, we actually did look quite good at the back. Obviously, we didn't for the last five minutes, but... If you look at the the way we're playing at the minute and compare it to the way we played at the start of the season, defensively, not the whole team, just defensively, we look a lot more solid and assured, don't we? Yeah, um, I think when you look at um, the defence as a whole, you need that um, stable mate in, within the back line um, who you look at the spine of the team, um, just helps create stability throughout the entire squad. Um, and when you look at uh, the way he just just puts himself in and around the right areas. Um, when you look at cashing and the back four as a whole, back th- five, if you wanted to go up with how deep those wingers were yesterday, um, you need the um, centre-halves to be, I say, just confident and assured and just do the basics. You don't need them to do anything else. Um, and that's where I think he sets himself just a little bit above cashing in, in form in terms of uh, myself, in my opinion. Yeah, and Adam, I mean, we were talking about it before recording, um, just to sort of, I guess, take from Callum's comment about the the wingers. We played a very, very defensive and negative team yesterday, didn't we? We had Callum Elder. I mean, people are saying it's a 4-4-2. It could be a 5-3-2. I genuinely don't know um, watching yesterday. I'm not sure what formation we played. But if it was the back four and, and Callum Elder was playing on the left wing, Corey Smith at right back, obviously that's enforced. It's we look good at the back, but like you said before recording, very very boring. Yeah, I think I almost compare it to when Philip Koku first came in. In terms of obviously, it's very different styles of play, but in terms of the general feel around, is is pretty slow. Um, I thought going down the wings. I mean, it's worked for Derby in the past at times, but I thought yesterday Portsmouth were pretty solid um, at the back. Every time we went to cross something and it was blocked and it, it it was a little bit like, what? why are we still doing it in the second half when, when we brought the more direct players on and we were still going down the wing? And I thought, bar the penalty, we didn't obviously didn't, we didn't really create a, a solid chance, but I thought the best opportunity is when I think we cut it back to Martin Waggon on the edge of the box when he was in the middle um, and he had that shot that was blocked. Going down the wing just didn't really seem to work yesterday because we weren't we weren't putting in aerial crosses. We were trying to hit them hard and low, which they were just dealt with before they'd even entered the box. So it was a little bit strange that we didn't try and switch it up. But obviously, we did get the penalty in the end and we've come away with a draw. So I guess at the end of the day, it's a point gained really when you look at it that way. I just think maybe in the future, 
uh, we need to be not so predictable attacking wise. I think we are a very much play it out wide and cross it in for Martin Waggorn in the box type of team. But then when we went away to Peterborough, we were very direct through the middle and that's why we scored those goals. So you're hoping that maybe we'll do that in the next game. Well, Vic, if, if you can speak, uh, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared to come to you now. Um, but I mean, what Adam said there is we we played it out wide. We were very one-dimensional, weren't we? And even though we got a point, which, you know, obviously the episode is called Two Points Dropped, but it was in reality probably one point gained because of how poor we were. It, it says a lot that we've got a draw against, you know, what we class as a, in inverted commas, promotion rival. And everyone's still so miserable because we just looked terrible, didn't we? And I think that's probably got something to do with how high the expectations are as a fan base. I mean, Arda took a point before the start of the game yesterday. Um, looking back at the the whole performance from both sides, I didn't think a, either team either team did enough to win the game. I'd probably say a draw was probably a fair result. So um, we did ride our luck in terms of when we were defending. Um, Portsmouth probably had the more clear cut chances, but like I said before, um, I don't think either team did enough to to win the game. Um, so yeah, as the performance was bad, but you know what? We could look at that, look back at that at the end of the season and say that could be the point that makes the difference if we're still in the promotion mix. I like your view on it, Vic. I don't think I've seen anyone else say that, um, and it is a good point. We've, I guess, taken two points off off a promotion rival. Uh, you know, it would have been good if we'd won because obviously they haven't lost all season and they haven't lost away in something like ten games now going into last season as well. So. Yeah, we were playing a good team, weren't we? And I think perspective is needed at times. But I think, yeah, it's just frustration, isn't it? Um, And Callum, I mean, we spoke about it a little bit, about how one-dimensional we are. We saw some comments from Rotherham fans, didn't we, on on social media, all about Paul Warren's style of play. And I I was actually quite sad reading it because it was pretty spot on, um, saying midfield always bypassed, players getting injured in training and stuff like that. We we are very one-dimensional. As Adam mentioned, we either take it to the wing or just lump it up to one of Waggon and Washington and, and hope that they can do something. We miss out the midfield completely. I mean, we've got Connor Hurahan, Corey Smith, Tyrese Fauna, Elliot Embleton, all great technical players, and we refuse to pass to them because the game plan is to go long and then hope that one of those three can win a scrappy knockdown or something like that. It, it, it is the football we're going to play. It, it's how Paul Warren wants to play. For some reason, um, I mean, how can you see it work? Can you see it working? Basically, that's where I want to go. With. It, can you see it working? Well, it has worked the last two times he's been in this league, and he's got up. So it mu- it must do something. It's just whether um, it can fit here, um, and 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 it's when you look at where we were, and I put it in the group chat where we were eighteen months ago under a senior. We put pretty football, play it out from the back, and everyone hated it and said you can't do that in League One because you get found out. Um, and we struggled to break teams down. We went to um, Shrewsbury away, one of the worst away performances I've seen. We just couldn't do anything, and we kind of said you need to be Route One, you need to be direct or more direct. It's just have we gone that extreme and uh, to just be one dimensional that's probably my only uh, query with it um, because I think that within this division when you're playing the teams who are decent teams like your Portsmouth, your Wiggins, um, your Boltons etc um, if you go toe to toe 
if you could get found out very, very easily. You just need to be solid and they say he's playing a very simple game of football. And they say simple at the uh, solid at the back, take it forward, try and win the knockdowns, try and put it out wide, put it in the box and see if we can uh, nick a couple of goals. And then when you're playing your lower teams, that's when you get on the ball and try and go through the middle and try and get your intricate passes going and stuff. And your Elliot Embletons, your Max Burrs, etc., and your Mendes Langs get more in the game. Um, I thought that just. We just seemed too negative, especially when we're at home. Um, uh, that's where probably my thing is with it. I don't mind the style of play and I'm behind Paul Warren in terms of what he's done. He's done it before. I'm no expert. He obviously um, has got a proven track record. Um, it's just whether he's got something else in his locker in case it doesn't work. Well, to be honest, Cal, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit there because... I think, I mean, you look at his track record and it is, I mean, we spoke about this on the pod before. He's got three promotions, um, although technically on paper, only one of them goes down as like a, a, a proper promotion. One was points per game and there was another reason for another one that I can't remember. Um, so it has worked before, but it, it's worth remembering that he was managing Rotherham and Rotherham, no disrespect to them. They're a little team. I've been to their ground a number of times. It's a very nice little ground. Um, they're not a team with big expectation. They're a team that play, you know, usually League One football, maybe low-end championship football for, for a lot of the last sort of 10 years. And then you look at Derby. I mean, we had a 27,000 crowd yesterday um, and we go into every game like we're the underdog. Uh, we're playing at home. Yes, it's Portsmouth. Yes, they're a good team. But we go out there and we went out to defend past sort of our defensive third we had no ideas yesterday and and that's a real worry um that we're setting the team up in that way you know when you've got Callum Elder I know we've had a lot of issues with injuries and we'll get on to that but when you've got Callum Elder playing left wing and we can't create a chance I mean we've not had a shot on target in two and a half games you know what I mean so it makes you wonder, we don't have a God-given right to win every game. We don't have a God-given right to sort of batter everyone. You know, we're not the Derby League One tour machine that maybe we thought we might have been two years ago. But it's just one of them where we've, we we need to do more than we're doing now. I mean, Adam, we've spoken about it and we, we spoke about it, um, well, I guess after Peterborough, which ironically was quite a good game. Um, and we spoke about it and it just seems a little bit like we're so scared of losing, we end up playing so defensively and don't want to go forwards. I think I think that was the story last season too. I mean, I've said this on the podcast before, there's games last season where we were winning by a narrow margin and we were so scared to try and extend that, that we'd defend and more often than not, we'd concede either at the death or we'd very narrowly see the game out. And I think... I think Paul Warren will always set up his teams in a take a point rather than take nothing kind of way against a big side. I think last season that was definitely the problem when playing sides in the top six. Obviously, we didn't win away at a top six side, did we, last season? And obviously, we managed to put that to bed when we beat Peterborough. Um, but we need we, we do need to change that. We do need to stop taking points off the top six sides in, in more of three points way. But yeah, I mean, listen, that point yesterday was was probably a pretty solid one. But we need we need to be we need to be more attacking focused. I mean, let, let's not hide the fact that we do have some of the most technically gifted players in the league. We shouldn't be going into games playing in. I understand playing a counter attacking style of football. I'm completely fine with that. 
but we can't hide the fact that we've got some of the t- most technically gifted and some of the most experienced players at a higher end of football um, than than some of the other clubs in the division because that is just the nature of it. Like, I don't like to say this, but we are like a big club in League One, so we are going to attract the, the higher profile players. So at the end of the day, when we're setting up defensively against other teams that we might be able to take three points off quite easily if we play a certain style of football, it is annoying to watch. And you've just got to hope that when we go to Carlisle, we play some of that attacking, pressing football that we showed at Peterborough. I'm probably going to bang on about Peterborough away for the rest of the season because I don't think we'll see us play that well um, ever again this year because it was the best performance we've put in. Just in, in, a, in Not ever again in, in all of our history, <laughs> but in, um, in the last couple of years, that was the best performance we've put in, in in a long time in terms of how we dominated the game. We've just got to try and, try and work out some ideas up top. Obviously, we've seen James Collins drop to the bench and Paul Warren go for Martin Waggle, Justin Biam, which I think works really well. We've just got to go down the middle on the floor. Please go down the middle on the floor. And I think we'll get some goals. But it's just about changing it up maybe a little bit. It is. And and before I come to you, Vic, there's something when you were speaking there, that a comparison between Paul Warren and another manager. Um, so at the fans forum, Conor Hurahan was talking about the way we like to play and the way he likes to play. And he says, whenever we play a back three at Derby, we always play with two sixes. Now, can you think of another team that play a back three and two holding midfielders? England. And I know it's a silly comparison because England is so much better than Derby and can actually pass a ball more than three times without losing it. But when you look at like the negativity towards the way England play and towards Gareth Southgate, you can see similarities with Paul Warren. You've got a team that, as you mentioned there, Adam, we've got some really technically gifted, really exciting attacking players and we don't use them at all because we're, we're content to just sit in three centre-halves, two holding mids and, and even Waggon's not even playing as a striker anymore. He's playing just off the striker. So we're playing one up front with basically you know, what could be a a back six or a back seven. And for a team in this league, it just seems bizarre. And I am, I do want Warren to succeed without, I'm trying not to sound like a mega gammon or something like that. I do really want Warren to succeed. But Vic, how, how can we turn this around? How, how can Derby sort of take this negative, depressing, boring style of play and turn it into something effective that will win us games? Oh, I think we've got to have a plan B, haven't we, really? Um, I think we've tried the the, the, the wing-backs and the, the three-five-two formation and it doesn't seem to work with the personnel we've got. So, Warren needs to really assess the players that we do have and see something that fits every player, not just what the style he wants to play. I know he's going to try and persist with it. He's going to stick to his guns. But at the end of the day, if it's not working, you've got to change something. We're not going to get automatically promoted by persisting with this formation when we know it's just not bringing any sort of result. Like we've all said earlier, we can take playing rubbish football as long as we get the results. The problem is we're not getting the results either. Um, he's just got to find a, a system that fits, suits everyone, suits the, the midfield, get a good midfield balance, suits the wingers to sort of bomb forward. And me personally, I'd like to see two up top. I just think, I just think with the strikers we have currently in the club, Two up top might work in our favour in terms of maybe Waggon and Wash. Um, they've got a good link-up play together. They've sort of got a good understanding together. So I'd like to see them two play up top. John Jules, if he gets back from his injury, um, hopefully it's nothing serious. Got the pace so we can maybe see him up top. Uh, but yeah, we just need a plan B. And I think 
we're going to have to revert to that plan B sooner rather than later. Like we've all said before, we can play against the lesser teams and get the results, but really and truly, we want to get automatically promoted. We've got to beat the teams around us in that top six. And if we're not doing that, then we're not going anywhere this year. Well, exactly. And we've got a comment from Ryan John here who said, don't think we have the players to play our one wants us to. People aren't mobile enough. He wants 11 adjacent nights and we have no plan B, which is exactly what you said, Vic. Uh, Adam, you're gesturing there. What, what are you thinking? I said it when Jason Knight left. We wouldn't realise how much we needed him until he's gone. I don't want to say I told I told people so. I don't think we would need him if we actually played a style of football that made sense. No, but I think in the Paul Warren system, Jason Knight was almost irreplaceable. And I think mm. because he didn't get goals and assists. But I mean, who did get goals and assists last season apart from David McGoldrick and Conor Horahan laying on the goals? So... Yeah, laying on the goal. So, yeah, I agree. I don't. I, I think if we played a different way, we wouldn't need Jason Knight. But uh, I miss Jason Knight. Bring him back. Yeah. Bring him back. <laughs> Bring I'm him missing. back. That, <laughs> that'll happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you'd hope that Tyrese Fauna could be that player. I know he's not had the best start to life at Derby. I cannot believe he didn't get sent off uh, yesterday because he made about four or five fouls and then cropped someone from behind whilst on a yellow, which was pretty ridiculous. But just how it is sometimes. Um, Callum, I mean, to sort of talk about something, I guess, a little bit more positive. When you look at the subs that were made, I thought all four subs actually made a difference. Obviously, Embleton's substitution was kind of enforced, but, you know, Sibley, Wilson, Barkazen, and, and even Collins, actually, in the end, all made a big difference. I thought, you know, Barkazen added a bit of pace. Sibley sort of actually carried the ball. He ran with the ball, which I couldn't believe. And, and Wilson's the same. Uh, obviously, we've had a lot of problems with injuries, haven't we? Um, we've got three sort of big players coming back. Do you want to see them included as soon as possible? Because they, they definitely made a difference to us. Uh, yeah, if they're fit enough. Um, I mean, um, you would think if they're fit enough to go on the bench and they're fit enough to be in the 11, but it isn't that simple. Um, I mean, when you look at... The, you, I mean, Paul Warren said Elliot Embleton was expected to get 30, 40 minutes and he's had to play nearly 70 uh, because of obviously the enforced injury. That's probably not helped in terms of um, where he's at uh, because he just he did look leggy but it will help him in terms of getting him up to match fitness. Um, obviously, if we can play him again on Tuesday, again, the same with uh, the other guys, Sibley, Tom Barquez, and I'd play them on uh, on Tuesday just to get them some more minutes. Um, and they did look like they made an impact. It's one thing that we said about Warren earlier in the season, that he's not making any changes and, or, and he made them really late or too late. Mm. And I, what I did like is that he did make them early and it made yeah. an impact. So I, did, I do have to give him props on that. Um, it's just a case of um, whether they're they're ready. Um, I say I thought Ken Wilson was lively when he came on at right back. Um, I think he'll be bring more balance. I did like think Corey Smith did really well there, but I've, again, it's a square peg in a round hole. Um, I think he is obviously better suited to centre mid, but again, I think there's better centre mids within within the team. So, um, so it's just a case of uh, where we're at at the moment in terms of injuries. I just hope Conor Horahan doesn't add to the list of long-term injuries that we've got. Well, that's it. And, and Adam, I mean, the subs did make a difference. They've been out injured for quite some time and we keep getting injury after injury. What do you think it's down to? I think some of them have been really unlucky. Jake Rooney. I mean, that, 
that was yeah. just so unlucky for him to get that injury there. I think also the intensity that maybe when we're trying to press, I mean, when we have tried to press, um, obviously we know Paul Warren um, will give them a hard pre-season. Um, but I, I do think some of them are unlucky. Um, I think we've got down to that. And, you know, Portsmouth definitely had, I think, four first-team players out with injury. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Yes, day two, from what I've heard. So I don't think it's just us, but I think I think we have been unlucky. I was thinking about it yesterday. I was thinking pretty much every game we've played, a player's gone out injured. Which is which yeah. is really difficult when you're only six games in because everybody likes to compare the table at ten games in. But I think it's key to to see where you're really going to finish is, is where you're going to be at Christmas. Obviously, that's a long time away. But I think we have been unlucky with the injuries and they have been really key players that have gone out. Jay Rooney was coming into his own, starting to nail down that position. I thought Liam Thompson was indispensable, um, probably becoming the one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, so it's really disappointing to lose him. And, and amongst the other players that have gone off injured. So I think it probably is just down to hard training and also just a bit a bit unlucky, to be honest. Mm. I think clubs go through the patch where you get a lot of players injured and it really hinders you. And then you go through patches where you've got pretty much an almost fully fit squad, which really does help you out. you just just got to get through the patches and hope that uh, the recruitment you've done, the players you've got at your disposable can do the job. Yeah, yeah, completely agree with you. Um, and Vic, I mean... We sort of touched on the subs a little bit. Um, Tom Barkhazen is a player that a lot of fans sort of complained about a little bit, I guess, last season. I, I think he had he had a really good like purple patch. I think we spoke about that before recording, um, where he was really impressive, scored a few goals, um, and then never really got a look back in the team again. I mean, when you look at this Derby team with the formation we're playing, I noticed he came on at wing back. Can you see him playing that role? Or, or I mean, I know we'd all want him further forward, but can he can he play that wing back role? I think he'll do a job. I don't think he'll be particularly fond of wanting to play wing back because I'm sure he's gone on record to say he doesn't like playing in that position. But I think just to get a look in the team, I think he'll do it for now. Uh, and obviously, once we get players back fit. Hopefully, like your, your Fozzies or your, your elders can maybe play in that wing back row. Maybe we could slot him a bit further forward. Um, Barkazen for me is, is a is a steady player. You know, he's not gonna do anything over the top. He's not gonna give you a, a bad game necessarily. He might go missing sometimes, um, but again, it just depends on the opposition that we're playing. I think against the lesser teams, Tom Bar- Barkazen will literally shine. But against the the more, I said the promotion rivals, he tends to struggle. He'll do a job. At, he'll do a job at wing back. Obviously, we do want to see him further forward. 
Um, again, he can be another option as a someone playing up top. But um, yeah, I think for just for the sake of him being in the side, I think he'll just do a job there. Mm. And just another question for you, Vic. Ah, you've muted your mic. You're not safe. You're not safe. Um, <laughs> the atmosphere at Pride Park. Um, you're a man I want to ask about this because the atmosphere has been pretty bad this season. I mean, it tends to go the way the team are playing and we've lost like four or three games out of four there so far. Um, or yeah, yesterday felt like a loss. We've lost, yeah, not not done well. Let's put it like that. We've not done well. Um, I mean, the, the atmosphere after we scored was great. The atmosphere before that and after that was terrible. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about you know, they've moved people out of their seats in the East stand and moved them further away. There are a lot of season ticket holders right next to the away end and they've changed that now. I mean, what are your thoughts on all of that? And and can you think of a way we can actually improve the atmosphere? Because at the minute, it's probably the worst it's been in, in years. Well, the South stand was meant to be the designated singing sort of, you know, the atmosphere stand. And for, I'd say for the best part of a year and a half, it's been poor. Um I mean, I sit in the South Stand myself and I, you've, you've seen the difference from that season where we was in the Championship where we got relegated to now. There was a lot of more of a togetherness now, whereas now it's more expectation. Uh, a lot of fans think that we've got a God-given right to be smashing teams 8-0 and being top of the league uh, after three games. I think the expect because of the expectation, I think the atmosphere suffered because of that. I know there's been an issue with the East Stand as well, with the block being moved. And again, it's probably due to safety concerns. And it just depends on whether we've got the money to sort of sort any problems out there. But the fans just need to get behind the team. Uh, we might not, if even if you don't agree with what the manager's doing, if you don't agree with his tactics, support the 11 players on the pitch. That's all we can do. If we can galvanise them, give them, just give them that extra 10%, that, that loudness in the stand. They've said it themselves that they thrive off that atmosphere. If we can provide that to them week in, week out, it could be the difference of winning certain games and getting those extra points. As a fan base, we do need to do more. We need to really support the team. Um, the atmosphere has gone flat. I think if we lower our expectations a little bit and just support the team for what it is, I think we'll yeah. do well. Um, but yeah, the atmosphere has been a bit drab. To say, to, I'm putting that politely. <laughs> it's a PG podcast, and it's uh... a. <laughs> uh, Adam, you're not safe either. You just put uh, some stuff in our little private chat that we've got whilst we record. Um, go on, you, you could say it out loud. I think I think I agree with it completely. I'm also a big advocate for if the football on the pitch isn't great, it's difficult to get the fans behind it. I think that happens with any club, really. Mm. You know, if the football's not not too exciting or you're not winning. I, th- I think it's a bit difficult. I mean, I think that's down to it. But I mean, I think uh, I think we haven't had really a new chance since the Mendes Lang one last season, which was still quite early on the season too. Then, so I think maybe that's maybe that's a factor to it. I mean, uh, the the twenty one points chant. I think everybody debates that. Um, I, I like it. It's probably the best chant we have. So definitely don't get rid of that. Um, but then also, I think maybe pre-match the music. I mean, Steve Bloom is watching. He seems to get sped up at the chorus and yeah, really definitely. slow through it. It's, it's it's very difficult to actually like clap along to it and actually get like the atmosphere well, steady. Yes, yes, then... Well, yesterday it just completely. Uh, I think they yeah. forgot to put it on because they kicked off and yeah. went, "Oh no." <laughs> I mean, well, I think it's better pre-match music. Maybe I'm not talking about playing like. Um, I host Silver Lining like every club up and down the country does, but maybe even so, but just just maybe some better music that maybe just 
gets gets you behind the team. But well, I don't know. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe just a twitch with the music because I think we have had the same music now for quite a while. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think the music before the game is dreadful. I mean, what one of the songs that they always play? They always play the intro to "Welcome to the Black Parade." Right? I was an emo kid, so I you know I resonate. <laughs> um, and it gets to the point where the song starts it does the whole like one minute intro gets to the point where the song speeds up and starts and they cut it so the whole point of the song is that it builds up to this big point and then it gets you going and everything like that and they cut out the bit that gets you going i think that sums up the whole pre-match stuff quite well i mean like you said about steve bloom is watching they speed it up they slow it down it's hard to clap along um all the music is pretty dire i mean you you go back 10 years and it was actually okay and there were there were a lot of songs that you know people would even sing along to in the concourse and stuff like that whereas now it's all weird sort of not necessarily niche but strange mashups of songs and things like that. i just think it just sounds rubbish um and it would be good and i think with new chance as well if i was going to give my opinion on that it'd be we just try and make everything too complex Every mm. chance got to be some song from 20 years ago where it's got 15 different lines and people aren't going to get on board if they've got to learn an entire song. It's like learning an essay. It's like doing your French speaking exam, but <laughs> you try to hear what 50 people around you are chanting at the same time. It's it's really silly. And, and you know, how hard is it? Like Again, I've got to go back 10 years because um, I go back any much further than that. And I don't remember, but, you know, you had... Like Johnny Russell runs down the wing for me. Chris Martin, Derby's number nine. You know, all these songs were so simple. They had like barely any words and you could just join in and sing along and the whole crowd would sing along. You've got that Spirit in the Sky song that goes on for about 15 minutes and it's so boring, so slow and there's so much to it. The James Collins song, we were trying to work it out, weren't we, Adam? Bear in mind, we go to every game and the first two lines, I still have no idea what what they're saying. I just don't have a clue. No I just clue. mumble along. Yeah, you just, chorus. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just make a noise that's vaguely close to what the the song is, and yeah, it, it, it's a bit weird. Um, I think sometimes we need to sort of take a step back, make some easy songs, get everyone on board, get everyone singing, and I'm sure the atmosphere would pick up because yeah, it can't get much worse than it is. Um, but yeah, that was a nice segue from talking about Derby, wasn't it? That was, that was mm, good. Yeah, yeah. I actually enjoyed that. Um, and I guess sort of the last thing we've got to talk about um, is shooting. Now, I accidentally bumped into a horrible stat yesterday uh, where Derby haven't had a shot on target since Martin Waghorn's third goal against Peterborough. That's an open play. I mean, that stat in itself is mental when you think about it. I mean, think how much... Well, we've played two and a half games, haven't we? Uh, I mean, Callum, you, you look at that and it's like, we've got all these attacking players, all these chances, and we can't even have one shot on target. What's that about? Nah. Um, when you look at the way... Again, it's I don't know half about the way we play. Um, because uh, we'll just revert back to uh, minute 11 of this pod and uh, you can listen to about the way we play there. So, um, <laughs> But it's more the fact that when you look at um, just the variety, like you said, going through the middle, going through, going wide areas. I mean, most of um, the shots that you see are half chances. They're getting blocked. They're getting um, 
or when an opportunity is to shoot, they don't take it. They'll make an extra pass and then it gets broken down. Um, say for for the the biggest thing that I, I looked forward to when Paul Warner says, "I just want simple football. Come in. If you have if there's a shot there, take it. If there's a cross in there, take it. Put it in the box. Let's get as many shots as we can off." And he just wants positive football because he says football is a simple game, which it is. And when you watch the way apparently we play, not. apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's probably where, um, as I said, this, I'm, I try not to get too hyped up in the stats uh, just because I'll depress myself. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I'll just kind of go and watch it and uh, make my own judgment from obviously uh, watching it there. <laughs> and Adam, I've got a question um, that Jim Johnston's put in the chat. Uh, there's a nice little chat going. I keep looking over because people are in a nice conversation in the uh, live chat. Um, and if you do like to listen and you do want to join us every Sunday, 7 p.m., all that sort of stuff, come join us. Um, but yeah, Jim's put in Mendes Lang, my opinion's gone right off the boil. Is it time to rest him up? I mean, Adam, personally, I think he's just having to play a role where he is the only creative attacker and everything has to go through him, and it's killing him. Um, and, you know, he's being man-marked out of every single game. What do you reckon? I mean, I, I've said this for a while. Obviously, he's not he's not really had a break since last season um, because of, obviously, international duty and then pre-season straight after. There's going to come a time when he's tired. I don't think he's tired, but I think, I think yeah, he's got the instructions to take it down the wing. And then creatively, it's it's hindering him that he's like you said he's getting man marked out of games. I don't think we can't not play him. I think he, he is probably our, our best creative player, um, so we have to start him. But I think maybe just just allow him to float inside a little bit more. Obviously, we have players that overlap and come down the wing, so I think maybe if he's allowed to float in a bit more, maybe, maybe like when Louis Sibley comes off the bench, I mean he pretty much just floats wherever he likes in an attacking role. Um, I don't think that's intentional. Uh, maybe not, but I think if Mendes, if Mendes Lang was allowed more of a free roll um, on one side where he can float into the middle, the overlap will come in. I think we'll, I think it would benefit him a lot. I think at the moment he's just struggling, like you said, to be almost the only uh, creative player with pace, if that makes sense, mm. because he pretty much is, isn't he? He is the only creative player with pace. We do lack pace in the team, um, and when teams know that. Mendes Lang is the only one with pace then then yeah that will happen but I think maybe something that would complement him well would be if Louis Sibley played on the opposite wing call me crazy but maybe if we had two players that that do have pace because I do think Sibley has pace and and he likes to drift into the middle at times and I, I think it would work quite well if we had quite two two wide forward unpredictable players but will Paul Moore ever, will will Paul Who? Warren ever I don't <laughs> will Paul Warren ever have we got a new two, gaffer yeah yeah I'm announcing him no um, if Paul Warren did play that I don't think he will just because I think most managers are reluctant to play a player in that sort of role because of how unpredictable it is um, but yeah I think Mendes Lang should be given some more freedom um, on the side that he's playing on because we have a player overlapping anyway so it's probably better if he drifted into the middle. Yeah, although that player overlapping was uh, poor Corey Smith trying to keep up with him, which is quite entertaining. Um, but yeah, uh, and Vic, finally, before we we look at Carlisle and, and Lincoln, uh, in, it is Lincoln, isn't it, in the Papa John's Trophy? Yeah, that's good. That's what I've got written down. Good to know I'm not slipping. Um, one final thing, Vic. 
can you see it picking up? I know I keep asking you these sorts of questions, and I'm sorry. It's it's the the product of being in that bottom right corner is that you get uh, my last question for every topic. Um, but but can you see these players coming in making a difference, and can you see it picking up the atmosphere in the ground? Because God, we need it. Um, I think so. Um, it can't get any worse, can it? Really? So <laughs> uh, no, I think I think once once we start getting a few players back, once the injury list is cutting down, we're starting to get see more of a fully fit squad. Maybe we'll see the fruits of our labour. The atmosphere, I can't comment on because I just think that with the way the fan base is at the minute, it's so divided on pull one in, pull one out. Um, the team's playing rubbish. The team's not playing rubbish. You know, it's just there's too much going on for people to sort of really get behind the team. I think we need to lower our expectations, let's be honest. Um, top six, I think we get that. That's an achievement for, for us this year. Top two, I think maybe just out of reach, if I'm being... Truth be honest, we've had a really bad start. So, yeah. And sometimes when you when you when you're looking up, it's hard to sort of claw back. Um, but I think we've got to remain positive. It's very early on in the season. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint in it. So, just keep the faith. Um, let the players come back. And if we're still rubbish at the end of it, then you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, let, let's at least get everybody back and see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I know this episode started as clinical depression uh, and it's made its way to positivity, which is always nice. I feel a lot mm. better. It's like I've been in a therapy session. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been good. And, yeah, we've got a comment saying warning. I don't know if that's sarcastic or not. Um, I genuinely don't know anymore. Um, but I, I hope it isn't. I hope it isn't because, yeah, we, we, we need to support the team as bad as it is at the minute. Uh, he, he'll never – well, he'll, he'll never go. He probably will one day. But um, he's not likely to go anytime soon unless we're pretty, like, somehow worse than this. So, yeah, keep backing the team. Let's get the atmosphere going. Vic says he'll bang the drum for the next 20 years and uh, get the atmosphere going at the front. So, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be good. Um, right, let's have a look at next week's game. So, we've got the Tuesday game, Pete's Cup, who cares? Um, did speak to David Klaus today. Yeah, exclusives here. Um, and he says that he, um, he he wants to do as well as we can in this competition. I mean, I'd be worried if he said anything else. But, yeah, he'd love to win silverware in any competition, um, which is nice. Um, and, yeah, a good outlook on it. It's a good chance to see some French players as well. Obviously, Carlisle, very long trip. Adam and Vic, you lucky people who got tickets and have to do the very nice drive uh, up to Carlisle. So, yeah, that'll be nice. Um, I just want, all I want from you is uh, score predictions, goal scorers. We've got two games, so let's, let's rattle through it. What do you reckon, Carl? Uh, sorry, I, I just want to say, you, I thought you said French players, not fringe. And I was like, absolutely thrown then. I was like, who's who, French in that team? Um, when you uh, <laughs> look at Lincoln, I'm going to go 2 0 win. Uh, and I will go. Mendes Lang brace, and then I'll go three one Carlisle, uh, Waghorn hat trick again. We're like so ambitious. <laughs> I have to be, otherwise, I'm going to be depressed, mate. This is that's what I've got to be. I've got to be. Every week, be. every week, every we week, win like three nil. We, we'd be class if yeah, our score would. predictions we were right. We'd have won like every league, we'd be in the Champions League now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, better, it's better than going three 0 loss. So, We're gonna um, lose. Yeah, yeah I know. exactly. Yeah. I know. I know. I always find it when 
funny when people come on the pod for the preview and they're like, yeah, I think we'll lose. <laughs> it's been like, ah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what, do, what do you reckon, Adam? Uh, for Lincoln midweek, I think it'd be both teams rest players um, in between games. So I'll go I'll go a one they'll win a narrow win. Maybe maybe Curtis Nelson wins a header at a corner and uh <laughs> and we, we score from a road corner. I think in terms of Carlisle, it's destined that Luke Plange scores, uh, oh. probably gets the opener. So I'll say a two one win. Um I'll keep saying it. I reckon I reckon Corey Smith will get the winner. He's due a goal, <laughs> he'll pop up with a winner or something like that. So I'll go a narrow two one win at Carlisle and a narrow one nil. Or, uh, you've got one more thing to say, Adam. I don't know what you're on about, but you said something in the chat. Oh, I said, in terms of the start of the season when, when Vic was on it, I was thinking, to be fair, whenever we've had a playoff campaign, we've always had a pretty rubbish start to the season. And 10 games in, we're going, oh, we're going to be destined for mid-table, whether we're in the Championship or not. And then we've ended up picking up at Christmas and then and then finishing the playoffs. So I reckon, I reckon we'll be all right. I don't think we're playing that bad as people are, uh, are coming out with, obviously attacking-wise. But I think there's definitely positives there. So. Yeah, we'll probably still be up for a promotion push or something, hopefully. <laughs> Let's hope so. Although I do seem to remember the last time we, we did that and had an awful start and, you know, turned it around, ended up finishing near the top of the league. I think we sacked our manager. Um, so I don't know if that, that bodes too well. Um, but now nah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Top two is still coming. Uh, Vic, what do you reckon? Uh, definitely not top two. Uh, <laughs> if I go to Lincoln game, uh, I say one-one, and I think they've got that dodgy rule where it goes to penalties if it's a draw. So we'll win that on penalties and get that extra point. I think we'll go to Carlisle, and it's going to be a wacky game. So I'm going to go three-two Derby win. I think we'll go two-nil down, and then we're just going to turn the magic on in the second half. And our goal scorer, our goal scorer for Lincoln will be Sibley. For Carlisle, I'll go with Washington two. And let's go for a Corey Smith goal as well. Let's get him on the score sheet. Has Washington ever scored a brace in his life? He will now. (laughs) (laughs) What a player. I like it. I like it. And yeah, I guess I'll have to give mine. I reckon Lincoln, I think, I I know I just laughed about it. I genuinely think we'll put out a really weak team um, and they'll put out a strong team. They'll want to do well in that competition. It's a chance of silverware, isn't it? Um, I think the team we'll put out won't be fantastic. So I think it'll be a, a one-all. Um, I'm not going to choose the way the penalties go because they're a lottery. And then on Saturday, I, th- I think we'll nick a one nil. I can't see us scoring three goals in a game. I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. I think we'll finally get that one nil smash and grab. We'll probably have one shot. It takes 28 deflections and goes in off the post. Uh, so it's not even on target. Um, and our shot on target, the streak continues. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a, a real smash and grab. Go to Carlisle, probably defend for 80 minutes, and then Elliot Embleton will, will hit one in from 25 yards. And yeah, we'll we'll all go home, or you guys will go home smiling. I'll I'll smile at the TV probably because uh, didn't get a ticket. Um, and then we've got uh, Jim Johnson who's put Lincoln three one. Yeah, I, I like the detail, Jim. You've got into here. He's put Lincoln. We're going to win three uh, one. Brace from Wagon uh, and one from Cashin. And then for Carlisle, we're going to win 2-0 with Washington and Sibley. So, uh, yeah, all looking very positive. Uh, you wouldn't believe how depressed everyone was, well, about 30 minutes ago, actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you got this far, I'm really sorry for the depressing start of the show. It's never usually like this. I don't know what I was up for today. 
Um, but yeah, if you did enjoy, please check out our Twitter, Rams Talk Pods on everything. Uh, if you listen and want to see our faces and see our reactions as we all waffle, um, yeah, Rams Talk Pods or Rams Talk Podcasts on YouTube. Uh, get involved every week, Sunday, 7 p.m. You can join us here. Uh, get your comments in and we'll give you shout outs on the show. Um, if your comment's good, if it's not good, then you know you never know. Um, and then yeah, just 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 keep going. Let's keep supporting the team and keep our heads up. If we lose next week, uh, it will be a horrible show and we will all cry for 30 to 40 minutes. So make sure you tune in, uh, whether we win or lose, and uh, we'll see you soon. Uh cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Cheers. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.